Testing, Marla. Are you there? I'm here. Hello. How are you? Great. Jim, testing. Are you there? Jim, testing. Are you there? Testing, Jim, are you there? Testing, Jim, are you there? Good evening. Welcome to our special edition of Clifton Burton Friends. We have with us this evening, 
Of course, my co-hosts, Jim Waddell. We also have Dr. Marlo Kemp. On this Martin Luther King Day celebration, I have a dream that my, my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. You know, we're going to start tonight's show a little differently. Now, we know our mission is to highlight women's sports and HBCU athletics, but the content of our character. Today, when athletes, African-American and otherwise, have opportunities that Dr. King and many of those fought and died for, it's a little disturbing when we look on the news and athletes with opportunities at universities that would not accept our own just 60 years ago. And athletes today allegedly are committing murder like in the state of Alabama or in the state of Virginia. It looks like we might, well, we had a, a football player shoot his own teammates three months ago and shot two or three teammates. Where are we in the content of our character? And what do you think Dr. King would say? Marlo, we're still trying to get Jim through, so I'm going to give you first opportunity to speak on this subject dr kemp um yes good evening cliff um and thank you so much for i'm glad that we're honoring dr king today um on his birthday or the celebration of his birthday which was yesterday um i think um of course dr king would not be pleased um, as we all are not um, today just allows us a day, I think, uh, just a day to sit back and reflect and remember, you know, like what he and others did to lead change, change for, you know, our nation some 60 plus years ago through um, their demonstrations of nonviolent actions. So I think that that's something that we um, need to remember especially given all the important issues, you know, that are still actually relevant today for which they um, fought for and marched for. He actually taught us um, pretty much to fight with our heads, not so much with our fists. And I think that that's something that we um, as a people, especially our people um, and others have just totally forgot about. Um, we need to stand together. So I don't think he would be pleased, um, especially with everything that's, you know, going on, especially in the Black American community. That's and, my and with, that's my take on it. And yeah, and with our athletes who have such opportunities before them at these elite schools, and yet today we hear of Darius Miles at Alabama 
allegedly shot a young lady because she didn't want to date him or something in Alabama, University of Alabama, immediately dismissed him from the school. And now he and another gentleman are um, charged with capital murder. And again, the situation at University of Virginia just two months ago leaves, leaves us sad. This is not indicative of all of our people that play sports at an HBCU or a PWI. But this incident is not the content of our character that Dr. King was talking about. <clears throat> now, we're still trying to get Jim through on the line, but we want to move on and highlight, as we normally do in our women's segment, the women, <coughs> excuse me, got under the weather, our women of the month, Coach Pat Summit. She's won over, she's won 1,098 games throughout her career. She coached the University of Tennessee from 1974 until 2012. She did have Alzheimer's disease and passed in 2016. Coach Summit produced 18 All-Americans. Coach Summit had eight national championships. Her greatest record, though, is every player that competed at the University of Tennessee and played for four years of eligibility graduated throughout her tenure. And that is a tremendous record. I think, personally, her best record. Marlo, give us your input. Oh, I, I, I think I'm a little biased, uh, Cliff, on this subject since um, I did go to school in Tennessee and Pat Summit was one of the first coaches that I actually watched uh, for the ball, the Lady Vols. So I am definitely biased. Um, she was definitely one of um, all time greatest coaches. Um, and I enjoyed watching her and what I enjoyed the most, like you just said, that she made sure that her her um, players, um, that was important to her. She made sure that they actually graduated, you know, from college, although that they they came to college to play uh, for her and for the school. They were student athletes, but um, her role also was to definitely make sure that they graduated into uh, productive citizens and great women. And it actually shows with, you know, some of the players that she actually coached. So she's definitely uh, one, one in the books for me, an All-American. Absolutely. And, and, and she set the, the tone. Uh, two years after Title IX is when she received her job. So we're going to talk some more next week. Now, we also have one of our co-hosts, who's not with us on the show this evening, but she's been doing a great job. That's Miss Hunter Hawkins. And she's gonna be back with us uh, approximately two times a month. And she's gonna bring a little special segment uh, on professional sports. Only she can do it. And uh, we're looking forward to having her back with us next week. Also on next week's show, 
We have a special guest coming, Dr. Ivana Rich. She is the first African-American, let me stop, the first female to become the athletic director at Edward Waters College. It is in Florida, and it is the oldest HBCU in the state of Florida. So we are looking forward as advancements in the athletic directorship positions for females is opening up in this country. And that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, we also have history that's been made at Fisk University, HBCU. This past Friday, or January 6th, the Fisk University gymnastics team under coach Kareen Tarver made history in an open meet in Las Vegas. They competed in the Super 16 Invitational. It's the largest women's collegiate event with over 300 athletes from across the country. Team-wise, team-wise, Fisk University ladies placed fourth in their first ever gymnastics meet. That is a tremendous accomplishment. In addition, one of the Fisk Bulldogs, the highly recruited Morgan Price, she stunned the audience. She scored a 9.9 score in the vault. Nearly perfect, sticking the landing. Nice. The Southern Utah Thunderbirds, they came in first place as a team with an overall score of 195.8 points. Fisk finished with 186.7 points. So the Lady Bulldogs did their thing. They did their thing, and we're very, very, very proud of them. I'm going to test and see if we can get Jim through the line. Jim, are you there yet? He's having trouble tonight getting through the line. Okay, so we'll continue on. Our next lady to highlight. She's had a tremendous career. She was underestimated coming out of high school. Becky Hammond. She's from South Dakota, Rapid City, South Dakota. One college recruited her, Colorado State University. Her number there was retired January 22nd, 2005. She went on and made the WNBA. She played for the New York Liberty from 1999 to 2006, and she was entered into the Ring of Honor on August 2nd, 2015, for players that played there. She also, in the WNBA, played with the San Antonio All-Stars from 2007 to 2014, and they also retired her number on June 25th, 2016. She played in the National Women Basketball League 
for the Tennessee Fury and the Colorado Chill. She also played abroad. Trentino, Rovereto, Basket, Rivas, Icapolis, CSKA, Moscow, Sportac, Moscow Region, and Ross Casareras, Valencia. She played around the world. She also held a dual citizenship. She did not make the United States Olympic team in 2008 and 2012, but she made the Russian national team and played in the Olympics for Russia from 2008 to 2012. Becky Hammond knows how to go for it. She's a six-time WNBA All-Star, two-time All-WNBA First Team, two-time All-WNBA Second Team, WNBA Assist Leader in 2007, and she was named the WNBA's top 15 players of all time in 2011. She made the top 20 WNBA players in 2016. She was a Spanish League champion, a Queen's Cup winner. Now, once she was through playing, she went on and became an assistant to coach Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs. She coached the San Antonio Spurs as an assistant coach for eight seasons. And on December 31, 2021, was named the head coach of Las Vegas Aces. She replaced Bill Lambier. And in August of 2022, she was named the WNBA's Coach of the Year, making her the first former WNBA player to win the award in her debut season. And yes, in September 2022, the Las Vegas Aces, Aces won the WNBA champion, uh, uh, championship. Becky was the first WNBA head coach to win a championship in their rookie year of head coaching. She, Becky Hammond, just outstanding. And Marlo, I want you to give a comment on that, and I'll let Jim type something in the, in the chat if we can't get through. Marlo? I think that is awesome. Marlo, I want you to hold your comment. Okay. I'm going to go <clears throat> to a music break, and then we're going to come back, and I want your comment on Becky Hammond, okay? Uh, All right, now.
That's amazing for Coach Hammond to, you know, just uh, to win after her first rookie year as a coach, just coming um, you, coming from, you know, a small town, Rapid City. Well, not so much a small town, but just Rapid, Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, nothing wrong with that. It, it, what I'm trying to say is, I mean, I think um, she's just had a full circle career. You know, just playing ever since she's, you know, was in high school, went on to play in college, WNBA draft, and just the uh, playing overseas and coming back home and, you know, being able to extend her career and get uh, training, you know, playing um, underneath some of the uh, other coaches that she have had the training and experience to play under and then to go on and be the head coach and then win it all in her first season. I think that's amazing for her. And we look forward to seeing what, what she will do and her team will do this this upcoming season. Great, great. She took a lot of a lot of flat when she played in the uh, Olympics under Russia. What's your thoughts on that? Um well I think um in terms of that's probably expected um just maybe just being over in an, in another country um just depending on what the style of play or just you know just the rules were over there i'm not really that familiar with what happened and why she took so much flack over and you know in russia but um she's she worked hard to persevere and to get through it so she right. made it to the, to the other side. That's good enough. Good enough. Another outstanding woman. And uh, she made an announcement today. And I was saying when she left the WNBA about four years ago, I didn't know why at the time. But that is none other than the Minnesota Lynx and former UConn Husky star, Maya Moore. And today, <clears throat> even though she hadn't played in about four years, this legend announced her official retirement from professional basketball. Now, she stepped away from the game in 2018 for a very unique cause. She believed that her then fiance, who was incarcerated and now Husband, Jonathan Irons, was innocent. 
and she dedicated her life for justice reform for everybody and particularly him. And he was free. They are now married and have a son. She said she would always contemplate coming back to the game, but had to take time to decide. Well, now married with a son. And she's also, I understand, a preacher that her priorities have shifted. So, <clears throat> Maya, we're going to miss seeing you play. But let's just talk about how great she was. Let me give you some numbers. Drafted number one by Minnesota in 2011. She went on to become the rookie of the year. She averaged 13.2 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 1.4 steals per game in her debut, debut season. Okay. She, for the next eight years, would take the Minnesota Lynx to the, to the NBA Finals, or WNBA, for six of those years. Okay. She made 530 three-pointers, and had 449 steals. She won two Olympic gold medals with Team USA at 2012 London Games and the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Games. She won two NCAA titles with UConn Huskies in college, back-to-back, -back, 2009 and 2010, and a two-time Naismith Player of the Year awards in 2009 and 2011. Let me state this. Her record at UConn, when many argue who's the greatest Husky, her record was 150 wins and four losses in her college career. So the argument goes out, who was the greatest Husky, Gino Ariema has had a lot of them. So Marlo, Maya Moore, what do you think? <laughs> One of my favorite players, Maya. <laughs> um, she is amazing. She 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 could do do anything on the court, of course, as we know, as well as off the court. I think it's awesome that. Um, she she realized that it's more that she can give more outside of the court um in addition to what she has given on the court and i i have so much respect for this for this um this player this athlete this this lady um i i i'm going to definitely miss seeing her um on the floor um but um she is one heck of a lady yes yes she is and i am praying that we could get her and her husband on this show one day. Now, Jim is working through the chat room. So back on Becky Hammond, concerning her play in Russia, the Olympic rules allow you to play if your grandparents are from that country. Now, I don't know if Becky Hammond's grandparents were from Russia, but those are the rules. Um, concerning Maya Moore, Great player, better person. You couldn't have said it any better, Jim. You couldn't mm -hmm. have said that any better. Maya Moore. Maya Moore. And uh, <clears throat> back in the day, the uh, 
the rumor was that she was supposed to originally go to University of Tennessee and Gino kind of recruited her from under Pat. And that's <laughs> when they stopped playing each other. I don't know how true it is, but I do know when she went to UConn is when they stopped playing each other. And I understand if Pat was upset because Maya Moore is one heck of a person. All righty. Now. I totally agree with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, we're going to take a break. We're going to extend a little bit of the women's segment tonight. And we're going to come back with just a little bit more. So we're going to take a break and listen to the music. Welcome back. We have some more. University of uh, Virginia in 2017, they did something that that went unnoticed. Carla Williams is the first African American woman to be selected an athletic director at a Power Five school. Those are the conferences, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, I believe Big East at the time, and maybe the Pac-10 or Pac-12. There has, up to that time, had never been a woman or an African-American woman appointed to that position. She has done great things in that position at the University of Virginia. She stated, when taking the position, and uh, yes, I am an African-American female. I see that every morning when I wake up and look in the mirror. And I do understand and appreciate the historic nature of me (laughs) being named athletic director at the University of, of Virginia. I continue to be a role model to help others. And... It came at a time where the University of Virginia 
and Charlottesville were plagued by racism and diversity. And she mm. has handled that position with grace. Carla Williams was also a former basketball player who played basketball in the SEC. So I want us to Google her, keep her on the radar. We now have a black athletic female director at Vanderbilt, Mrs. Lee. And all of these women, we're going to shoot to get on our show. But Carla Williams has led the way. And it didn't get much publicity at the time. But we want to make sure that she's she's kept in the forefront. And, and so, Marlo, uh, another fact of the progression of Title IX. And, and what do you think about her? Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right, Cliff. I think that that is um, it's just, just awesome how, you know, by her being from Georgia, I think, um, you know, and then yeah, she's from Georgia, looks like, and then transitioning um, as, uh, well, first she was assistant AD uh, at Vanderbilt, uh, like you said, since she played in the SEC, um, you know, she was just kind of at home, and I think it's just wonderful how she is now over at Virginia, and like you said, um, who knew that she was the actually the AD down there, especially during that time when, you know, there was some some trouble that was going on and she has definitely handled it like a professional, which she is. Yeah. And out of the power five conferences, she was in the ACC as the director. She was the only one. There were no other African-American females mm -hmm. as an athletic director in any of the power five conferences. And our show has reached out to her. And I hope we could get her and get her back on. In order to change policy, we have to get in positions of administration. And this is happening, maybe not fast enough, but it is happening with several of our African-American females at the athletic directorship position. So. Yeah, you're definitely making it happen. So that's Absolutely. a good thing. Absolutely. Now, we're going to get to some of our conferences. The uh, SWAC, Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SIAC, Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, and the GCAC. We'll stick with those this week. And then next week, part of the show will cover the MEAC. Okay, so let's talk about the women's scores. Now, Before we leave, Jim sure. mentioned that she trained under the first African-American AME at, at Vandy. Say it again. Uh, Jim just mentioned in the chat that Carla Williams trained under the first African-American um, AME at, at Vanderbilt. Okay, uh, and I think he was a male, and we're going to bring that up, yeah. if not this week. Next week. Yes. Yes. That's a very important. Thank you, Jim. Um, thank you so much. Now, uh, let's get to our women's play. Now we're in the conference play. And all we're going to talk about are the conference records. So women's basketball, 
leading the SWAT Southern University. They're four and one. Prairie View, four and one. And they defeated Jackson State with coach Tamika Reed, who had that that's her first loss in conference play in about three years. Alabama mm-hmm. AM. They're four and one. Jackson State, three and one. But they Cookman, they are three and one. So we're just gonna go over the top five or six in the um in in the conferences. Now, uh the team stats, yes, excuse me, the individual stats and leading scores. Micah Gray from Texas Southern, 19.4 points per game. Channel Wilson, Bethune Cookman, 17.9 points per game. Dylan Horton, Florida AM, 17.1 points per game. Diana Rosenthal, Prairie View AM, 16.6 points per game. And Jayla Crawford from Alabama State, 15.3 points per game. So that's the top five scorers in the SWAT conference. It's going to be an exciting run. It'll be a great run. Now, the shift gears. That's Division One, Division Two, the SIAC. And they're divided, <coughs> excuse me, the East and the West Division, total of 14 teams. We'll go over the top three in each division, okay? In the East, we have Savannah State in conference play. They are 7-2. and two. Clark Atlanta, 6-4. Allen, 5-5. Five and five. When you go to the Western, division you have tuskegee and they are 11 and 0 miles college they are 6 and 0 and then you have kentucky state and they are 6 and 3 so there you have it we're not going to go over the leaders as far as all the points in the siac this week but things are heating up and remember, the SWAT conference, I can't remember the date. We'll have it for you next week. It's held in Birmingham. The SIAC conference tournament will be held on the campus of Savannah State. The GCAC. Wow. Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. Commissioner Dr. Kiki Baker Barnes. All righty. In the Gulf Coast, they went to a format that they're going to play three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, back-to-back in conference play. And it just got started. So we're going to go over the women this Friday, give you the scores, and then the placements. In women's play, Rust defeated Dillard University. 64 to 58. Fisk University on Friday defeated Southern University 
of New Orleans, Coach Crawford, 98-50. to 50. Wiley, Russ College defeated Wiley College on Saturday, 71-59. to 59. Philander Smith defeated Southern University at 90 of New Orleans, 90 to 55 on Saturday. Then you had Saturday evening, Oakwood defeated Dillard University's ladies, 61 to 54. And Saturday evening, Fisk University defeated Tugaloo, 71 to 69. The action <coughs> shifted to Sunday. Russ College, ladies, defeated Oakwood, 70-50. to 50. Tugaloo defeated Southern University of New Orleans, 68-48. to 48. You also had Wiley College getting on the board on Sunday. They defeated Dillard, 52-48. to 48. And Fisk University defeated Philander Smith, 73 to 63. So Fisk University in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference was the only school in this first weekend of the three-game format to have a clean sweep. Now, here's where the teams stand. First place, Russ College in the ladies' division. They're in conference play. They are 4-0 conference. 10 and 3 overall. Fisk, 3 and 1 conference play. 8 and 5 overall. Wally College, 2 and 2 conference play. 11 and 4 overall. The ladies from Philander Smith, 2 and 2 <coughs> conference play. 10 and 4 overall. Tugaloo, 2 and 2 conference play. 3 and 9 overall. And the ladies of Oakwood University, two and two overall, but four, two and two in conference play, four and twelve overall. Dillard, zero oh and three in conference play, four and eleven overall. And picking up the rear, Southern University at New Orleans, zero oh and three in conference play, two and eight overall. So there you have it, the first weekend and overall standings at the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference. And their tournament will be held in Jackson, Mississippi in February. And we'll give you those dates again in a week or two. So things are off, running, and heated in our conference play for the ladies. For the ladies. Now, it doesn't... Doesn't seem like uh it doesn't seem like the uh the uh the new format uh hurt Fisk. Look like Fisk. I know that's you all's alma mater. So it look like Fisk is uh doing their thing during the uh during the weekend. Well, it's interesting. They have about a uh, coach Crawford, who's an excellent coach, has a, about eight or nine players, but all eight can play. All eight scored. And I believe two out of the three games. So and and she just you can see the improvement. I, I, I have seen them. Jim has seen them. The games are streamlined. 
and what she's done with this team from the beginning of this season to now is something to behold. And remember, she didn't get the fifth job until April or May. So she still hasn't had a full recruiting year yet. Two of those so players. You, go ahead. You're saying that she has a total of eight to nine or nine players? Correct. Whereas usually it was usually at least twelve. Uh, twelve. Yes. Twelve dress. Good for yes. her. Way to go, Fizz. But she's getting the most out of them, and so yes, um, and it's showing. Yeah, and all the games with Fisk. So, uh, and she lost the previous weekend by a free throw at the buzzer, one point to Oakwood. Otherwise, she'd be four zero in conference play. So. Hey, first weekend, way to go, ladies. All righty. Now, we have a little bit more, just a little bit more, uh, before we move on and get involved with uh, the men's division. In fact, we'll take a break, and then we'll come right back. All righty. We'll see. Jim, can we get you through? All right. Not yet. We're struggling tonight a little bit with that, but we're going to keep working uh, a little more on the women's section. And then we're going to go over some things that Jim has in the chat uh, for us. Now, there's a rule that has come up in the WMEA. There's free agency season going on right now. But there's a rule called the prioritization rule that's getting ready to take effect. Hear me out. It states that women now who play overseas, which many are, must return to training camp 
by the beginning of training camp in May. If you are late, you can be fined. And after a certain date, if you're late, you could be held out of the season. Let me read it to you specifically uh, what it says. The rule requires players to prioritize the WNBA over international leagues. It was codified in 2020's collective bargaining agreement, and it goes into effect in 2023. Players with two or more years of experience in the WNBA must report to their teams by May 1st. If they do not, they will be fined. If they miss the start of regular season on May 19th, they will be suspended for the year. In 2024, the consequences will get even harder. Players will be suspended for the whole season if they do not join their WNBA teams by May or the start of training camp, whichever is later. Now, here's the problem. 67 of the 144 WNBA players play overseas. Brianna Stewart, Supermax deal, only makes $228,000 in the WNBA. But when she played for Russia and now for another club called Fenerbahce in a different country, her payday is still between 700000 to a million. And that league's playoffs last year ended later than this deadline that the WNBA has required. Several players are going to have to make a decision this year and the following year. And it's going to get very interesting to see who says I stay overseas and finish their championships for the money and miss out on the WNBA, WNBA, or who takes less money to have the, quote, privilege of playing in the WNBA. Marlo, give me your thoughts. (laughs) 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 Ooh, I'm I'm sorry, Cliff. I didn't mean to laugh, but um, I would have to sit back and, like, seriously think about this. Um, I think a lot of players are going to – I think we're going to maybe see some new players in the WNBA, (laughs) possibly. (laughs) Uh, As Jim said, they're going to have to up the salaries to enforce this rule. I don't blame you, Jim. I totally agree because – I mean, really, two hundred thousand versus <laughs> close to a million, and and you are you are forcing me to make a choice. You know, when I'm in, I'm trying to accommodate your season or our season. I'll say here in the United States, um, as well as you know, just going where. I'm going to, you know, make the most for, you know, more bang for the buck, a more book. Yeah. More bang for, the, you know, for my, whatever, you know, whatever the saying is, I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, pe- you know, they have to remember that people have bills to pay, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is their livelihood. And to enforce a rule like that, um, I think um, that's 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 unfair. I think that's unfair, but it's yeah. their rule. It's, it's their business. So we'll see what happens. It, it's going to get interesting. Uh, I know Gabby Williams, the former UConn Husky standout, said at the end of this season that this was more than likely her last year playing in the WNBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, you, you can't really blame them. Yeah, and and so that's where we are. We're going to take a one-minute break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the swag, men's scores and standings. Uh, it's hard. We can't get Jim through the line, but we want to include that, as well as a few other things going on uh, in the world of professional sports that we definitely need to comment on. Give us one minute. We'll be right back. In men's play, <coughs> excuse me, in the SWAC conference, Southern University defeated Bethune Cookman College and uh, Grambling State University defeated Texas Southern University. And then they had a player um, of the week, which we want to go into some more next week. Uh, his name was Keandre Montgomery from Alcorn State University. He was the player of the week, and Tyrone Lyons was the impact player of the week as well in the SWAT conference. And we'll have Jim bring, bring us the SIAC next week, as well as we'll get the interview in with Dr. Ivana Rich. Now, we have a few bonus, a few minutes left, a few bonus subjects. Um, we are all thrilled. Now, normally we keep it to HBCU and women's sports, but we are all thrilled that Lamar Hamlin has recovered so quickly or is recovering from what we witnessed. And he was actually at the Bills game and practice facilities. And, uh, Prayers were just answered from just a few weeks ago when he went down with <coughs> in cardiac arrest. So, and the Bills won the first playoff game. So, we just want to say uh, everybody could type a, a yay or a clap in the chat for Mr. Hamlet. That's been a big story. 
Now, we have another story that's pretty sad. And I can't remember his name. But immediately after the University of Georgia won the national championship in a college football, and the team was celebrating the a young man who is from New Jersey. Uh, he was riding home in a car with a staffer. And to show you how precious life is, they had an accident and he's no longer with us. I can't remember his name, but we wanna make sure to keep that young man and the University of Georgia and his family here in New Jersey in our prayers because no one should have to lose a son or a daughter that you sit away from college at the epitome of their athletic career and now they're gone. But the man upstairs, he knows all, sees all, and we're going to keep that family in our prayers. The last, <coughs> excuse me, the last thing, or one of the last things. Well, Marlo, I want you to comment on the University of Georgia situation and the Hamlet situation. Sure. Um, I would just go to the player Hamlin. Um, it was just... It was just, um, it's just wonderful to just see him back, um, just discharged from the hospital, um, walking around and um, actually recovering uh, from this cardiac arrest. That was just so surreal, I think for everyone, um, uh, as well as um, every, you know, everyone sending prayers and, and it just goes to show you that prayer definitely work um and that young man he has a calling on him and he was doing good in terms of giving back to his community so we know that it was just amazing you know how much his foundation or how much people mm. have given so much yeah. into him um you know just for giving back uh, so he definitely has a lot in store for him so we just just continue to send him prayers, um, you know, that he gets well, and hopefully we'll see him back on the field next year. Um, and 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 hopefully you now rooting on the Bills up here <laughs> from up this way to who never never know they may be on their way to the Super Bowl, um, mm -hmm. given everything that's happened to them in terms of snowstorms and and the player getting hurt and everything else. So you just never know. Um, now it's for the. Um, University of Georgia player. His name is uh, Devin Willock, um, who mm -hmm. is actually, as you said, is from the New Jersey area. And, and the a staff member, uh, Miss uh, LaCroix, and I think it was a couple of other their, uh, Please, classmates yeah. that have been in the car with them. We definitely send their our prayers and, you know, I hope everyone send prayers to their families. Um, you know, it's just, like you said, you, you send your kids off to college and that's the last thing on your mind you just pray for their safety um in everything that they do um so we just definitely would like to just send them prayers um and just well wishes i mean just for the young lady and the others that are um, um also hurt um but you know we just yeah send our, our sympathy to them and and, 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 to, and, the, and to the team yeah the team and also for the young man from Georgia, 
he attended uh, Paramus Catholic High School here in Jersey, an annual powerhouse. So we praying for the teachers and everyone. He finished there in 2020, so they're all affected in school right now from day to day, from day to day. Uh, I think we have something from, uh, oh, that's Lewis. Hernandez likes the show. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Lewis. The last thing, and we're going to bring it next week, along with this tremendous interview coming with Dr. Ivana Rich, the Jordan brand, that's Michael Jordan, has inked a deal with Howard University. And we were going to talk about it tonight, but we're going to hold it to next week and going to this tremendous moving forward uh, for Howard University. We like to say, and Marlo, I'll let you get the statement and then I'll close it out. What do you have to say to our audience as we get ready for next week? Marlo? Oh, I'm sorry. I was muted. I'm sorry. I didn't get the um, I mean, your question was again. Yeah. Before we get off the air, what do you have to say to our audience before we get off the air heading into next week and this tremendous interview we have coming with Dr. Ivana Rich from Edward Waters College? Uh, we hope everyone is listening next week. Um... <laughs> Is there anything else that I should, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, hear the interview for next week. Um, and just hopefully everyone will be able to tune in and listen. And, and on Marlo's behalf, she forgot to mention that Dr. Ivana Rich is a member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority, her sorority. So I want to make sure we got that in as well. But, <laughs> well, I was trying to save that for next week, Dr. Oh. <laughs> But listen, um, as we always say, you get HBCU, you get women's sports, the best here, and a little professional sports. But if you want to get the full dosage, NBA, NFL, Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, uh, golf, baseball, tune in, 9, 10 a.m., WFDF. Okay, iHeartRadio to Mark Jones and Friends, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. You have Mark, Jack, Jim, Carl, and Reggie. It's a heck of a show. So make sure you tune in, and then we'll see you guys. We'll see you back in about 168 hours from now. Thank you. It's been a great show. Thank you.